Welcome to the fifth episode of UFC number the Amazing Race podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is the Canadian who spends hours of his life looking for the decapitated heads of his enemies. Uh, I mean, loves to suck the juice out of every experience, Logan Saunders. Oh my god, that was my favourite quote of the whole episode. Good, because it's your intro. And the lady who regularly runs around shouting in the street that she's a mother, Michelle Pierce-Denevin. <laughs> no! No! I don't think we've ever had that no noise from you before. No! Oh, gosh. Okay, continue. <laughs> it's better than your original one was going to be, Michelle. I had a few drafts for what yours was. Oh, dear. <laughs> and I think it's fair to say that we kind of differ on this pair of episodes between the three of us. <laughs> Wait till we begin. Yeah, especially the Uganda one. If you ask me, and it's the correct opinion, was one of the worst episodes they've done in a long while. It's probably my least favourite episode since, I don't know, the Durr and the Drooler Elimination episode in 28, which was terrible. Okay. And how do you feel, Michelle, given that your okay means that you think I'm an idiot? No, I don't think you're an idiot. I didn't mind it. I thought it was a good double episode. I d- I'm flabbergasted you think it's one of the worst. I think it it's one of the worst for how they handled it. It's not necessarily the fact that the leg was super linear, which it was, or the fact that the double battle was completely and utterly pointless and a waste of both their time in doing it and my time in watching it. It's just generally how production handled the whole Uganda issue. And I'm sure that we will be discussing Uganda at length fairly soon. I'm sure. Let's do Dubai first. Yeah, let's wrestle through the UAE leg. Um, did you enjoy our take on the on this double episode as well, Michelle? What do you mean your take? What do you mean? What are you talking about? The fact that it was a fake recap last week. Spoilers. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. There was some wonderful feedback from someone who said that they didn't actually realise that it was fake until the whole decapitated heads in the fridges bit. Which is quite impressive. Yeah, well, you see, I don't understand. You see, I read your little synopsis and I thought, oh, right, if anyone thinks this is normal, they're very strange. But people did listen to it thinking it's normal until you got to certain parts. So it was it was funny. But you know what? I can't do a podcast like that because I just, I just can't. It's just so silly. It's our... Uh semi-occasional trip into the wonderland of Michelle is not allowed on these podcasts because she would just be sitting there despairing of us getting more and more silly. I mean, we started off perfectly normally with the whole fact that the Dubai leg was basically based on the preview and what you could guess the the tasks were. And then we went into Uganda where it was um, the obstacle course based at the airport, which was actually toned down in the original edit. Um... And I'm not going to say what it was originally. We had the detour, which was um, taking the Kampala Impala to the border <laughs> of Sangala. <laughs> which I had to cut a lot of giggling from Logan out of. Um, because he just... He he was so delighted that he got me to say the phrase Kampala Impala, I think. Um <laughs> And the other option was the last King of Scotland one, where you had to match a decapitated head to a photo, and Forrest Whitaker would give you your next clue. We had the 
um, Ugandan relations task, which for any fans of Private Eye, they will know what I'm referring to there. How many people listen to it? Um, there's a sizable amount of people. Oh, God. But also somehow we managed to make a Uganda episode that was less offensive than the real one, which is quite impressive. Uh, I think the decapitated heads may or may not have countered that. <laughs> I think there's some bits that if we had come up with it in the fake recap, I think we would have got a lot of heat from. <laughs> you mean... <laughs> well, I don't have no idea what you're referring to, Michael. <laughs> Maybe it's the thing that's, that I've been waiting six weeks to talk about from the preview. Anyway, let's actually talk about Dubai so we can get to, to discussing Uganda. So previously, nine teams continued racing through Ho Chi Minh City. At the roadblock, Corinne and Eliza drove themselves crazy, and at the detour, Rachel and Litha drove each other crazy. This is exactly the same recap that I did last week. But it was an unaired showdown that sent the survivor villains home. And teams must now fly to Dubai and head to a supercar tailgate in the desert to find their next clue. What's funny is that one of my friends who teaches in Dubai, they just went to one of these things today. Now, I I have to preface every single Middle East leg with this, but I hate Middle East legs. I think they are some of the laziest leg designs that we ever see. I think it's vacuous. It's basically like doing a leg in Vegas for me. And I don't think that this Dubai leg really dispelled my feelings on that. Really? But what? last time they went to Dubai, there was a great camel race. Why didn't you like that? Yeah, last time wasn't bad, but it also isn't as good as some of the legs that we have. Whereas this one was just, isn't Dubai rich and crazy? Well, that's what it is. This is basically the theme of this leg was, oh, Dubai is full of rich people, and we're going to try and trick you at the detour. I like that. Yeah. You know what? You've got a sense of fun in making a fake podcast, but then you won't have a sense of fun in watching that sort of stuff. I just, I feel like this Dubai leg, it just encapsulates my feelings on this season so far. And one of the questions I do have to ask you guys at the end of this episode is, how do we feel about it halfway through the season? Because now, as of this point, we are halfway through the number of legs and halfway through the number of episodes, given that the finale has now been announced to be a double episode. I feel like... It's just a little bit soulless this season so far. I don't feel like there has been much passion put into this season. I feel like they were given the whole idea of the reality showdown, and I don't think they've really put much effort into it. I think they thought, oh, the cast will carry this. And then you go into a run of legs, which is Dubai, which is just soulless. Uganda, which is problematic at best, and then two legs in Switzerland, spoilers. And I just feel like they're not trying very hard. You want them to spend less legs, double legs in different countries. You want to move all more than what they are doing. I want them to just pick better countries because we haven't had any superb Middle East legs ever. And I made this argument in our fake podcast. I don't think we've ever had a really good Middle East leg. The exception to that rule is maybe the Australia 2 Dubai leg, which was pretty good. But also then Switzerland, which never produces a good leg, and the last time they went to Switzerland was the worst pair of legs maybe in Amazing Race history, at least in the US. 
given that we had the nine-way foot race to the icy pit stop because of a train and eliminating Jessica and Brittany. And then we went on to the really very, very stupid during the Drooler elimination leg, which was the most linear leg in modern Amazing Race history. I just don't feel like they're putting much effort in. You're not happy. I don't want to say this about Amazing Race, and I... I'm not sure whether it's just because Belgium all was so good and they actually do put effort in, but it just doesn't feel like they've put much effort into this season so far. The Japan leg especially was terrible. Let's be perfectly honest, it was a dreadful leg. Yeah, I think Japan leg was like a $20 budget. However, I will say, Michael, they are putting more effort into their season than Amazing Race Canada did this past season. That's not hard. That is an incredibly low bar to clear. In fact, it isn't even a bar. It's just been put on the floor. (laughs) That's true. This is the one time that we will be speaking about Amazing Race Canada 7. But the fact that they have not travelled outside of the country is both ludicrous and very vindicating for my opinions on Amazing Race Canada now. What was hilarious is that only... Barely the majority of the provinces and territories even get visited in a full season. Two provinces get six legs. How is that possible? Again. Oh, God. How is Amazing Race Canada allowed to function? Yes, look, just, just, just compare it to Canada. And it's amazing. That's for you, though. That's for you, though. You're, you're very harsh. You're being very critical. The argument we always make on this podcast is Bad X is better than most things on TV. And I've said it time and time again, Bad Mole is better than most things on TV. Bad Amazing Race is not. Bad Amazing Race is a bad TV product. Oh, well, no, no, no. I I differ there because Bad Amazing Race is better than, God, most things for me. Well, you're wrong. But, but also, Bad, ama- bad Amazing <laughs> Race is... right. <laughs> the fact I'm me. <laughs> bad Amazing Race has given us those Switzerland legs that I've discussed, Amazing Race Canada, Bacon and Sorry Spelling. Need I say more? Oh, my God. Okay, you can stop talking now. I can, but I'm not going to, because we need to actually discuss a leg. <laughs> oh, then let's discuss the leg and not how much you're disillusioned. The best thing is about this, the fact that this is only scratching the surface because we've not got to the Uganda leg yet. Oh, (laughs) wait till we get there. (laughs) But the one benefit I will say about this leg is we finally, after five legs, get departure times. Didn't we get departure times before? We haven't had a full set of departure times all season. Oh, full set. We might have missed one or two, but we've had like a lot. I mean, the Uganda leg, we got two. That's pretty shocking. Yeah, but there must be reasons why I'm not there. Yeah, because they can't be asked actually putting effort in. Um, I don't think that's it. There must be a different reason. What I find funny, I know I'm skipping head a leg, is that Beck and Floyd are like, man, we don't have that much of a time advantage at the start of this leg over the other team, so we can't make any mistakes on the way to the airport. Cut to everyone being on the same flight for the sixth leg in a row. That's another thing about where I'm saying they're not putting much effort in. I know there's budget cuts, but also they could maybe just bring back the old rules of you can book one flight only, make your own way there, have fun. 
Yeah, that comes straight from Alan Wu that Bertram, I guess, has just been having a hell of a time trying to get any sort of funding for Amazing Race. And I guess one of the biggest budget cuts you can do is just put everybody on the same flight every single round. But they've also cut it back from you can book any flight you want to you can only book one flight and you're stuck if you've uh, if you've messed up and there's a better one to we're all on one flight, you're not even really going to book your flights anymore. What about, I think it would be good if they could bring back there's two flights and the first whatever four are on the first flight and the rest are on the second flight. I mean, that still works. The other thing is that Dubai is a massive hub. So that would have been many flights to Kampala, I bet. I bet they could have easily tried to give them a bit of intrigue for Uganda. But they just didn't want to. I think it's a budget. It's totally the budget that they have now. It's a budget thing, but also they're owning the 21 Days 12 Shows thing, which isn't something to be proud of. The fact that you can rush this in 21 Days. I think, I remember Mario This Mario Lanza was saying this about Survivor 2, where now Survivor has so many big budget cuts that like, at a certain point you just lose the original product you had and the, the quality. You, you try to see how low of a quality you can essentially get away with for a season and still have an audience tune in. Yeah, and that's what we're evidently going to see in 39, given how terrible that looks. I'm probably not going to be watching Survivor Island of the Idols until I find out whether it's good or not. I have no real desire to watch it. Yeah, I already already resigned from uh, doing recaps for Rob Has a Podcast for 39. Oh, good. 40, on the other hand. <laughs> oh, 40 is going to be amazing. Mm, there were better choices, but that's not a, uh, a thing we need to discuss on this podcast. So, Colin and Christy leave at 1.46am with Nicole and Victor at 2.10, Chris and Brett at 2.25, Becca and Floyd at 3.01, Tyler and Corey at 3.27, Leo and Jamal at 3.50, Janelle and Brittany at 4.16, and Rachel and Alitha leaving at 4.40. And, yeah, there's some quotes here. So Colin and Christy said they've proven they can win a leg and they just want to fall into the background now. Nicole and Victor are aiming to shock everyone by being the only non-amazing race team to actually win a leg. Becker and Floyd say that they've managed to survive Vietnam. Well, Floyd has. And here's probably the most interesting one for me. Because Tyler and Corey are chosen to say they've been to Dubai before. But, as we alluded to in our preview podcast... They're not the only team who've been to Dubai. I believe many other teams have also been to Dubai by now. Yeah, in this season though, particularly, there's one team who have much more experience with Dubai, given that they went to the first ever Dubai leg. Who is Colin and Christy? Thank you, James Holtzauer. Many, a long time ago that they went to Dubai, compared to, to, compared to Tyler and Corley. Yeah, but also, if you're going to really say, oh, we've been here before, you go for Colin and Christie, given that they're they're the most old school of old school racers at the moment. Mm-hmm. And there aren't actually that many places coming up that they've been to before, so... About Lee and Jamal, were they in Dubai? They never went to Dubai, they went to uh, Alain in Abu Dhabi. They never mm, went to Dubai. Close, damn it. I know, I know it was somewhere in UAE. Yeah, it's a, it's a half point because that's one of the rare UAE legs where they actually didn't go to Dubai. They went to Abu Dhabi instead. Right, that was the camel modelling. 
It was, yes. It's the one with Nikki and Kim's um, speed bump where they had to jump into a swimming pool. Right. This this is actually the first UAE leg in a long time that didn't feature a camel. In fact, it may be the only one. We'd have to do the research. You're the tell story and you can think about that. You have to go back to season 15. Maybe season 15 didn't have a camel task. And Leo and Jamal say they want to get as close as possible to the motherland, and their taxi driver is incredibly reluctant to say that they will be number one. Did you listen to their podcast appearance on Bill Kogan's not, bucket? Not yet. I did not because I refuse to acknowledge that anyone else has a podcast ever. Oh, I, I Michael! To the, <laughs> I listened to about 20 minutes of it. Made me realize just how much of the comedy and darker jokes they use that get edited out of Amazing Race. Because Leo and Jamal, much like their Max 8 joke in their CBS bio, there's some pretty dark jokes on the podcast with Phil. I have always been a bit of a defender of Leo and Jamal. I quite like them because they seem very nice and they're obviously incredibly hyper. But they seem quite nice dudes. And I'm I'm sure you've had some dealings with at least one of them, Logan, at the uh, finale parties. But I don't really get why people don't like them, other than thinking that they're a bit irritating. Yeah, they're definitely they're definitely um, extroverted. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, you missed. What? Team Fan did a rap. Sorry, I missed that. We've actually not got up to that bit in my notes yet. Why? It was right at the beginning. Yeah, because my next note is Janelle has a Starbucks. Priorities. Oh, God. <laughs> and Rachel and Alitha are very happy to be going to Dubai, as they're getting on so well. And they're going to just knock these next two rounds out of the park. And everyone is on the same flight, and Colin looks almost sincerely happy about this. <laughs> His zen side is happy, but the inner Dexter version of him is not. <laughs> I actually think Colin and Christy are funnier in zen mode. Because you can just see the you can see the rage slowly bubbling under with Colin. I think <laughs> he's like, yeah, season five Colin would have actually ripped someone's head off and shat down their neck by now. But <laughs> yeah. new Colin season, won't. <laughs> season five Colin would have slit somebody's throat. Today's Colin definitely wouldn't do that. <laughs> season five Colin would have drained someone of all their blood. I can't believe how much he's changed. It's just a huge change. It is, but it's wonderful comedic material. I don't think it's he's gonna he's going to burst a a, a blood vessel at all this this um, season. I know you're waiting for it, but I don't think he's going to. I think everyone's waiting for it, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm slowly agreeing with you that we might not see it. But I feel like they're setting it up for Colin to maybe just. Have a little flashback to old Colin at one moment. Hmm. The one thing to note with all of these Dubai legs is to compare how Dubai looked in season five to now. Oh, a lot different. Completely different, because the Burj Khalifa wasn't even thought about being built by then, probably. Well, they went to the Burj Khalifa in season 15. It, was, it wasn't even completed yet. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. It was like 10, what, what, when was that season? Nine years ago now? Because 14 was 2000, was spring of 2009, because that was right before I finished uh, high school. So yeah, like just under 10 years later, and we revisit the Burj Khalifa, and it's completed. 
and we have a huge frame that I don't recall seeing in any shots from season five. We have a Ferrari tailgate party. Not just a Ferrari, a supercar one, because there was Bentleys and Lamborghinis and other cars for men with small penises. Yeah, and pretty much everything you would see from a rap song. Can I tell you, I work at a school where the clientele there have ridiculously amazing cars. So you work at a posh school? (laughs) Basically. And yesterday I was um, out near the street. I was was waiting for a parent and this other car drives past from another parent and I didn't know these cars existed, but it was a Lamborghini that was an SUV. I just looked at this thing and thought, oh, my God, how much does that thing cost? That's ridiculous. Why would you get a Lamborghini SUV? Lamborghini has been made for speed and and sleekness, and then there's this massive SUV. It's just I just thought it was a bit weird. Far more money than sense. Yes. So everyone has tea with the supercar owners and boring um so teams must now find the dubai frame and take the lift to the top to get their next clue and there's some mildly amusing quotes from this like we all just sit and chill here i'll see clues in the car and just nobody seems to recognize this you just want to have tea come on what's wrong with having tea michael you're from england you're on a race (laughs) you're not here to make friends you don't want to make friends with millionaires who drive Ferraris and Bentleys? They, their car alone is bigger than the cash prize of Amazing Race now. <laughs> yeah, after after tax. Thanks, Obama. Yes, after taxes, between split between two people, it's like, don't even bother with the finish line. Just charm the guys into giving you one of those cars. <laughs> and then Rachel and the Lithers driver takes them to the wrong exit and basically condemns them this leg. I just want to skip ahead, actually, to how rich Dubai is, is that when Beck and Floyd won $5,000 each, Phil said this is actually used as toilet paper amongst the locals. Fact. And at the top of the Dubai frame, Leo and Jamal get startled by the glass floor. It's not the highest in the world, though, is it? Anyone for 10 points know where the highest glass floor in the world is? Is it, is it, is it in Kuala Lumpur? It is not. Oh. CN Tower? It is a CN Tower. I was there. I was too. <laughs> That's how I know where it is. Um, yeah, the CN Tower in Toronto has the world's highest glass floor, and it is horrific. <laughs> I'd love it. I'd, I'd, I I want to do it. You stand on that floor, and it is a very long way down. I'm not bad with heights, but even my stomach was sent a little bit squiffy by that. There's a picture of me laying down on top of it. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan. <laughs> I love the CN Tower, but I was not a big fan of the glass floor. Could you imagine if like, the glass broke through and it's just me falling hundreds of meters through the air? It's like the Eminem and the Way I Am music video. Maybe it'll be all soft when I hit the ground. It's like I'm flying. Without wings. So the detour is fall or find, and in fall, teams must choose a skydiving structure to ride the world's highest and fastest lift and then keep their eyes open as they parachute to the bottom of the Burj Khalifa in virtual reality, because we're hilarious. And only two teams can attempt this detour at a time. Fine, teams must dress as dinosaurs and search the Dubai Glow Park to collect five eggs. 
put them in a nest, and then exchange them for their next clue. How is that task not hilarious? Those dinosaurs running, their bottoms wiggling. (laughs) Because it has no relevance to Dubai. It's a dinosaur park. Why not? Why not have some fun? It doesn't have to be all about deserts and, and, you know, it doesn't have to be about Middle East dancing. Why can't we have some fun as well? Right, my main argument against Vegas as a place is that it has zero culture and is just vacuous. This detour is basically just Dubai has zero culture and is vacuous. I will say, though, I'm kind of disappointed that they took a page out of Amazonary's Canada's uh, playbook and did a virtual reality task, because we've talked about this many, many times before. Virtual reality tasks, very boring to watch. I skipped through this quickly. (laughs) And even more boring to talk about. It's like, yep, they did a questionnaire, they got it wrong. We don't really get to live through the experience. Fast forward. And also, more importantly, virtual reality doesn't work on everyone. For quite a lot of people, myself included, it makes them very nauseous. So if you're going to do a task like this, you actually have to warn people that there is a bit of motion sickness potentially involved, especially when you're pretending to fall 832 metres down a tower. Could you imagine Mel White doing virtual reality? He would throw up and then die. Can you imagine Mel White actually thinking he's going to skydive off the Burj Khalifa? (laughs) My groin. But also, do you remember when we were talking about the, what we called was the roadblock, what was actually the entrance to the pit stop, how we said, why couldn't you do this from the Burj Khalifa? The answer is, "Eh, maybe you can in virtual reality. And I did also notice that Tyler and Corey had to cover up their arm tattoos, and I'm assuming because Becca and Floyd were wearing the shirts that they had to cover their shoulders as well. And it's Leo and Jamal and Colin and Christy who get to fall before everyone else. And Tyler's introduction to their skydive instruction was the skydive instructor saying, Hello! And them going, We're gay. Which sets up this entire double leg quite nicely. They... What? Seriously, they go up to the skydive instructors, about to pick one, and a young female one says hello to them, and they turn around genuinely and say, We're gay. Why? Yeah, that's in the episode, I don't, really? I don't know. I it. It's in the episode, and I was kind of vaguely aware that something went on with the Uganda leg and them. So I was not looking out for this, but I was aware of it. So this made me laugh so hard when you consider that it's paired with the Uganda leg, which basically takes the, hello, we're gay, interaction to a whole nother level. And the fact they won a prize to go to Singapore. (laughs) Yeah, can we touch on that later? Because that's just delicious irony, I think is how I described it. (laughs) I saw so many people comment on this, like, why aren't they excited about going to Singapore? And it's like, do you know Singapore's current laws? Anyway, we'll get on to that in a minute. Um, So Rachel and Olitha decide to switch to fall. And Leo and Jamal are gutted when they realise that it is a trick detour and that they've been punked, basically, because they were they were tricked by the original skydive um, trick roadblock in uh, in twenty three. It was their very first roadblock. That was a paraglide, actually, but you know, same thing, basically. Oh yeah, that's when that one East Indian woman was hoping she would be able to choose her own husband, and because she screwed up so badly, she was married off to somebody else. 
Was Cotton Nana? Yeah. Weren't they the ice climbers? You're thinking of Nana and Papu? <laughs> yes. And the next trick to this detour is that there is a five-question quiz on what they saw in the virtual reality in between, you know, vomiting their guts up. And Jamal gets the final question wrong, so they have to go again, but join the back of the line as to Colin and Christy. And Tyler and Corey also fail it. Are we bungee jumping? No, you're in a line. Can I just can I, can I just talk about that? Are we bungee jumping? Now, first of all, the Burj Khalifa is not a building that goes straight down, for one thing. It is it is in a, a, oh, like like a tree, basically. It goes narrow and narrow towards the top. So could you imagine bungee jumping? off somewhere near the top, and what would happen to your body when you jumped off? I don't think there's many brain cells working there as to how bungee jumping works. A one-person argument as to why Rachel deserves to come back is Michelle's reaction to Rachel whenever she says anything. (laughs) It's just ridiculous. What the hell was she like on Big Brother? I'm assuming she didn't need an analytical-type brain but it drives me crazy how she doesn't even think before she speaks. Given that her and Brendan basically managed to turn the entire house against them in three days? Mm. They were public enemy number one in week one, and only saved by the fact that Brendan won the veto in week one. Otherwise, they would have been on the block against each other in week one. Mm. Why did they switch? Why would you switch when you're already at the place like i don't understand they haven't even started and they switched ironically it's probably rachel over analyzing things and thinking hmm a bungee jump for a skydive is probably going to be much faster than running around a glow park in inflatable dinosaur costumes when you're already there it's going to be faster than having to get to the next place maybe go through a briefing and actually do the thing there we go and their and their taxi driver and talking of stupid moves, Janelle decides to put their eggs in a bin instead of the nest. <laughs> what was that? It didn't even look like a nest. It was a giant egg. It was a, a dustbin. Man, oh, that, dear. That mom squad, man, they're just... Oof, they, are, they are dominating this season. <laughs> Can you tell me they are... I mean, seriously, why do they have these people on that give women... And mothers, a bad name. I cannot wait for Rachel and Alitha to last her leg 12 and then win and annoy Michelle. (laughs) I don't think it's going to happen. One thing that is going to happen is next week, Rachel gets to tie the all-time legs record. She does. 31. If she survives next leg, she gets the leg record. Oh, God. So it's Chris and Brett who leave find in first, and teams must now head to the Soho Garden to find the next clue. And one thing I did actually forget to ask, which detour would you have picked? Eggs. I think I would have fallen for the trick detour, and maybe I've gone with fall. (laughs) Because of course you would. I feel like it would just be quick, you jump, you don't have to do eggs and dinosaurs and stuff. Yeah, but unless you're Tom Cruise, you're never going to jump off the Burj Khalifa. Ever. Yeah, but you got to think it's race fatigue. You're six rounds or five rounds in. You're not really thinking, oh, yeah, that would be really <laughs> dumb for producers to set up. <laughs> hey, the, the hey. egg park, the egg park, can, you know those eggs? They look like the ones that will change color. 
if you put them on a different setting. Could you imagine them picking up the eggs, putting them in the, in the, in the nest, and then all of a sudden they're changing colour and they're not five different colours? I thought that would be an added extra. I think that was probably stopped happening because, yeah, yes, they do I look know. like the, the lights you could buy from any sort of homeware shop. That would be funny. Let's turn all of Chris and Brett's eggs blue. We've got to keep the interesting teams in here. <laughs> <laughs> Colin and Christy leave fall in second, with Tyler and Corey leaving in third. Oh, you know what I would have done? Changed the colour of the eggs on Colin, if he was at that detour. <laughs> and Alitha claims that the five-question quiz is harder than her driving test. All right. Was it harder than your driving test, Michael? Number one, Saunders, fuck you. Number two, I passed the theory first time ish. Uh, <laughs> it was the practical where I didn't. Oh dear. Anyway, Michelle, we're going we're gonna to exclude Logan from this conversation because, you know, <laughs> he can't throw stones when he hasn't passed his driving test. How was your driving test? Mine? It was fine. Did you worry about running over the man who was walking in front of the car with a flag? <laughs> no, I uh, passed first time. Yeah, there's a shock. Your girly swat. <laughs> I passed first time. Ish. Ish. <laughs> Put the ish on. I can't even claim I've pa- passed first time in that block of uh, of exams. <laughs> oh, dear. I had four and a half years off, Michelle. Put it that way. Crazy. If Have you, you muted passed... Logan? Oh, there he is. <laughs> if you if... Failed three times, had four and a half years off, failed twice, and then passed. If you've passed it on your first time, Ish, then Boston Rob won Survivor Mercasis. Yeah, exactly. I'm basically the Boston Rob of passing driving tests. Yeah, there's going to be a huge mm. statue of you at the DMV. There already is. And Leo and Jamal fail again, and then Becker and Floyd leave fine in fourth, and Nicole and Victor in fifth. And Nicole helps Janelle and Brittany find their nests, so they leave in sixth. And the roadblock is another one that is horrific for us to have to A, watch, and B, talk about. It's who can feel the beat. But that's like mole. That's like the mole. It is. And I also criticised it in the mole, Michelle. <laughs> because Gosh. it's horrific to try and talk about. <laughs> I can talk about it. In this roadblock, one team member sent to a silent disco and find the one person who is dancing along to the Amazing Race theme to get their next clue. And it's Brett, Nicole, Christy Floyd, Tyler, Janelle, Leo and Rachel doing this roadblock. Um, who did it the fastest, do you think? Or was it Floyd? Definitely Floyd. He was. I thought he was quick. I mean, editing can make anything seem faster than what it is, but he seemed faster than everyone else. It was the one time that him talking about being a drum major was actually relevant. Uh, I think two episodes ago. It's kind of funny that Beck and Floyd have benefited from two two legs that greatly rely on rhythm-based challenges. It's like two two quick wins for them. And Leo and Jamal fail the detour again because they don't know what an antenna is. Rachel tells Alitha to pay attention when she's the one who got the questions wrong. Mm. And one thing I did notice, did you spot that I think Nicole and Victor opened the roadblock clue before they actually picked anyone to do it? Yeah, I did. Actually, I, I was thinking, were they allowed to do that? It certainly seemed like they opened it and then decided who was doing it. Mm. Is that a rule change? I don't know. And Leo and Jamal leave fall in seventh, and Leo gloats on his way out, and then Rachel and Alitha leave in at last. 
And once teams find whoever's listening to the headphones, they have to head to the Amwash Towers and do the world's largest face versus zip line to Dubai Marina, the pit stop for this Lego race. The last team to check in may be eliminated. And the order that you reach the roof is the order in which you'll check in at the pit stop, which I think you're about to have a problem with, Logan. Can I say something? I have actually a story about Silent Disco. Oh, good. I was about to ask if, if you guys had done a silent dance party. I, I haven't personally done it, but there's this Canadian comedy show called Mr. D, and he goes to a silent disco, and it is just the least funniest 10 minutes of a comedy TV show I have ever seen on TV. Does that include your 10 minutes of stand-up on Canadian TV? Y- yes, yes, it does. It, it was terrible. And you thought the Burj Khalifa simulator was vomit-inducing. And Nicole and Vitz are leaving second, with Tyler and Corey in third, Chris and Brett in fourth, Colin and Christy in fifth, and Janelle and Brittany in sixth. And Becca and Floyd Superman their way into first place and get $5,000 each. Although there is a wonderful interaction between them and Phil when Phil talks about their prize and says, what's one thing that we all love? And Becca just shouts in his face, Money! <laughs> so quick. Yeah. One less good interaction is them making Phil rap. Oh, it was good. They rapped at the beginning and at the end of the episode. It was horrific. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. I know, but you defend <laughs> them to the ends of the earth, Michelle. Who? Who? Just Team Fun? Becker and Floyd, yeah. Oh, they are. I like them. They're so fun. You're not, you're not into having fun this week at all. I am. I'm just... Very much over these this pair of episodes. Oh, and spoilers, I'm probably not going to be much happier in the next two weeks either, given that Switzerland is horrible for Amazing Race. Chris and Brett check in in second, and then Leo and Jamal leave the roadblock in seventh on their first attempt. Leo was pretty good at this as well. What yeah, did, why, uh, why did you mention him? No, I didn't have anything to add. Because he did the roadblock and he was very good at it. Him yeah, and Floyd were the was. two who left on their first attempt. Mm. I wonder how many different kinds of music they had playing. Probably quite a lot. And then Elitha says at the roadblock that Rachel does everything good. You know what Elitha doesn't do good? Forming sentences. I was about to say, she is not very eloquent in confessionals or any time that she speaks, really. But then Rachel does manage to get the clue in last. And then on the way to the Amwars Towers, she cries about the prospects of losing and does her catchphrase. Gosh. And her sister. Just stop. But do you know anything about Rachel? Uh, what, uh, what do you need me to know about Rachel? I mean, I've heard some rumours about her. No, I don't know anything currently. Like the fact that she's a bricklayer, slick player, gourd player, oh. berry carrier, <laughs> pickled pepper picker, fresh French fish fryer, seashell seller, sheriff shooter, pheasant plucker, Fig plucker, Greek grape grower, pessimistic pest, can clam crammer, cannibal nibbler, Russian roulette revolver reloader, excitable executive executioner, tongue and tongue tattooist, celibate celebrant, beginner tobogganer, and imaginary menagerie manager. What was the one starting with K? Uh, canned clam crammer. Canned what? Clam crammer. The canned Kelsey grammar. The oh Canadian God. cannibalizer. The Brazilian bricklayer. As I said to Bindles last weekend when he sent those over, sadly for you, tongue twisters don't work with me. <laughs> and then Colin and Christy check in in third, and Colin shouts that he loves Achilles and Cruz, and they love sucking the juice out of every experience. 
<laughs> Which somehow I knew that Logan would greatly appreciate. This is just so... Oh my god, and he says it with the Dwight K. Shrewd expression on his face. It's like, man, this is something straight out of the office. He knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I couldn't say that with a straight face on The Amazing Race. Like, You can't say many things with a straight face, Logan. Just sitting down with the producers, like, oh, you know, how are... Like you, you, hey Logan, how are you and Ryan feeling after this leg here in uh, Kamloops? And then I just respond right away with, oh, me and Ryan, we're just sucking the juice out of this experience. <laughs> you know us. <laughs> and it's Tyler and Corey checking in fourth, and Nicole and Victor in fifth, Janelle and Brittany in sixth, Leo and Jamal in seventh, and Rachel and Alitha in last, but sadly for Michelle, the mom squad is saved from elimination. <sighs> You know what they need to do is they need to switch Colin and Christie's occupation to juice suckers. God, you really like this line, don't you? <laughs> do a Debbie from Co Wrong and just change their uh, their lower third every single episode. So a lot of people think non-eliminations are rigged when teams they don't like are saved by them. Surprise, surprise. Let's be perfectly clear. If non-eliminations were rigged, Rupert and Laura would have been saved. Correct. And, and yet, two Amazing Race contestants respond to the thread saying, yes, I do think they're rigged. No, they're not. It's treated as a game show. I know, but there's, um, in the Amazing Race 24-7 group, um, Ashton off of Aston and Christy from Amazing Race Australia 3. She, Shocker. Yeah, she thinks they're rigged. Oh, and sorry. I believe yeah, she's not all here. And an Amazing Race 10 contestant, I can't remember who exactly, also was talking about how they think it might be rigged. Oh, God. Can't remember. I didn't read the whole... I Yeah, I can't remember if he, uh, the whole message, but I, I know there's, like, contestants who mm. are on the side of, yeah, we think they're rigged. Hmm, idiots. Well, nice people just... Morons. You said it, not me. <laughs> so, next time, teams head to Uganda where Janelle takes a long way in a market while Colin and Christy face a long haul, and teams face a double battle to ruin another leg. But shot Gaspara, the next leg's now! It's like this This wasn't designed to be a double episode. So, now time for the bit where Michelle is going to get very angry at me, because now it's time to talk Uganda. Let's have some Ugandan discussions. Fire away, Museveni. So, my argument here is that the Uganda leg was treated horribly by production. It is horrifically heavy-handed on the part of Tyler and Corey, and I I don't put that much of the blame on Tyler and Corey, despite our previous issues with one half of that team. I don't have too many issues with them necessarily, because obviously they were prompted to say these things, but... Uganda as a country obviously has the reputation of being one of the least gay-friendly countries in the world. In fact, in our preview, we vaguely hinted at this when we discussed Tyler and Corey because one of my radio heroes is a man called Scott Mills. He did a documentary for the BBC about 2014, because he's an openly gay man, um, called Uganda, colon, the worst place in the world to be gay, question mark, which is where the title of our 
um, our preview podcast came from in New Zealand, the worst place to uh, be a tourist, question mark. And it has always had this reputation of being quite a, quite a strict country on um, gay relationships, especially. They get the death penalty. I think it's one they, of the few not, countries where it's not, just... Not now. Not anymore. Not yeah, now. they used to. They they were lobbied quite hard to to remove the death penalty, but it is still very much illegal in Uganda to be in a uh, homosexual but relationship. No, 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 no. That was stopped in 2011. It's not illegal, but a lot of gay people are just a lot of violence towards them. And and yeah, they're not. It's not illegal since 2011. But I think not only is it a bit uncomfortable to watch generally despite your feelings on tyler and Corey, because i know michelle obviously feels differently than me and logan probably do on this topic. no I, it's not as though i, I love tyler and Corey. <laughs> yeah, i know but you obviously you don't have the history with them that we know oh history with tyler at least um i feel like production used this leg to try and win another glad award after survivor game changes i think it was very transparent. But how do you know that Tyler and Corey aren't mentioning it off their own bat? Yes, it was put in the edit, but when you're gay, you know certain places in the world that this happens to people, and that's just part of your psyche, and you you mention it if things come up. So I don't understand why you think it was planted on them. I wouldn't have expected the show to gloss over it, but also it's a bit... It's a bit weird when you go, oh, isn't Uganda great? Also, they stone gay people, which was basically the ending of Tyler and Corey's story in this episode. It's like, yeah, the people are lovely, but also they hate me. Yeah, but that's what it is. Yeah, Uganda doesn't like gays. That is what it is, but also the show did not need to portray it in that way. They certainly didn't need to wash over it as they did because... The start of this episode, we obviously had Tyler and Corey going, Ugh, going to Uganda, they probably won't like us, that's not good, I'm not happy about this. And it is well within both the show's rights and Tyler and Corey's rights to say, I'm not sure I'm happy with going to Uganda, but we're going to try and use this as motivation. What crossed the line for me is that they beat us over the head with it every single time. And it's like, this leg was obviously paid for by the Ugandan tourist board to say, Uganda, Pearl of Africa. But I don't think it's appropriate for the show to go, Uganda, the Pearl of Africa, oh, they're paying us a lot of money to come here. Also, maybe don't come if you're gay. Which is pretty much what it boiled down to. But no, the, 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 it was only the first bit, them in the cab and a little bit at the airport. And then the whole of the rest of the episode... They would allude to the. They wouldn't say it, but they would say things like, "Oh, the people are lovely," um, and and things like that. But they wouldn't bring up the whole gay thing again throughout the episode. They only did that at the beginning. So it's not as though they were running with it through the entire episode. It was Tyler and Corey's entire episode story. And yeah, it was but, pit but, it was huge at the pit stop. It was huge at the pit stop, and they they sledgehammered us over the head with this. I don't think they talked about it too much. No team has ever had a storyline like this, ever. Well, it's a big thing, don't you agree? It is, but I can't honestly think of a a leg that basically one team were the entire narrators for since maybe Gus and Hera in Senegal? That's a good point. We really have not seen a leg portrayed like this, and I think not only to do it here 
just makes it a little bit uncomfortable because it feels like they now regret going to Uganda and taking the Ugandan money to get them to go there. Because that probably would explain why it's the second part of a double leg so they didn't even have to promote that, ooh, Amazing Race is going to Uganda and get the controversy out of it. But also that on the other hand, they really want the publicity in going, ooh, Amazing Race is still dealing with all these social issues. Please give us a GLAD award. I don't and think the- so. I don't. I, it didn't focus on it entirely. How can you get an award for something just mentioned at the beginning and then... They did. CBS uh... did for the Zeke Game Changers thing, which was arguably as egregious as this. Not as much. The Zeke thing was huge. It was a huge tribal council about it. It was, it was everywhere. The Zeke thing was used by production and the network to further their own cause. They did not need to portray it in that way. And it's it's very comparable to this. They didn't need to portray this leg in this way in any way, shape or form. They definitely were within their rights to go, Uganda really don't like gay people, but they didn't need to constantly mention this, which is what they actually did. And then it's funny because then you have the UAE, which is also not too friendly towards gay people either. I think the current current laws are that you can be in prison for 10 years. Yep, and also the prize was to Bastion of Human Rights Singapore. <sighs> this is what I mean. They had to realise that this was going to come up. And, and what was even funnier, well, not so much funny in a dark sense, but... Uh... Because there's fans complain like, oh, Tyler and Corey got first place in Uganda and they weren't even excited about their prize either. They made a big deal out of it. It's like, yeah, because they went from UAE to Uganda and their prize was to go to Singapore. Congratulations, the amazing race hates you. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, this that had to be terrible. It's darkly comedic. I, I, I'm so opposite to you in that I don't think this, the episode was saturated. I think you're exaggerating just a little. Honestly, Michelle, I wish I was exaggerating about the amount of time that they hit us over the head with this, but I'm really not. But do you it, think it was, that when, it was but when Colin... Yeah, it, it was every single scene. Yeah, but when Tyler, Tyler says, oh, um, the Ugandan people have been really nice, do you think that is pushing it into your face. I think that if you remember what the full quote was, it was actually that the Ugandan people are very nice, but it's a shame that they that the government don't like us. So, yeah, I do think that their pit stop scene was a little bit heavy-handed. <laughs> it was definitely well, the heaviest-handed pit stop scene in years. <laughs> I think Amazing Race is wonderfully placed to deal with this sort of an issue. And I'm certainly not criticising the fact that they did deal with it. I'm criticising the way they deal they dealt with it because it was very transparent how they dealt with it. And I've actually I've spent you got I mean you guys know this I've spent the past like day and a half trying to decide how much of this we're going to bring up. And I've actually spoken to basically all of the friends of the podcast who this sort of stuff would affect. And Bindles described it as the most problematic thing that this show has maybe ever done. Well, yeah, I, do, I, I agree with that, in that going to a country that openly dislikes gays and having a gay couple there. But I, I, I'm, 
I don't see it as 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 big a problem as what you think the episode was, but that's okay. We can differ. Yep, that's the basis of a, a lot of good podcasts that we do is the fact that we completely differ on how crap the Amazing Race has become. Oh, Michael, stop it. Vindal's full quote, by the way, was, I mean, it's the most problematic thing on this show in years, and this is a season that's featured Art and JJ being eliminated after failing to climb a Japanese game show-inspired water slide just five legs ago. What did Ben say about it? Ben, surprisingly, didn't actually get back to me. He, I'm not sure if he's watched the episode yet, but I think he will probably have something quite strong to say about it. Probably stronger than me, <laughs> given that we're in the unique position here of it actually not officially affecting any of us. But also, we have a record on this podcast of bringing up the slightly more unfortunate things that these shows do. And we transition into my least favorite twist, other than the starting line elimination, which is probably the fastest I've ever fast-forwarded through 10 minutes of the Amazing Race, known as the head-to-head. Eight minutes. Eight minutes of head-to-head. I just skipped I, I skipped through it. It was the Tower of Kampala. And the thing is, if you know the results of this leg, stuff like Janelle and Brittany starting off the leg by mentioning their children, that's a big red flag. Or the fact that Janelle and Brittany and Rachel and Alitha meet up at the the airport and say that the mom squad is back together. Hey, girls. <laughs> that sort of stuff is very obvious editing-wise, even if I didn't know that uh, Janelle and Brittany went home in this leg. <laughs> So, yeah, teams must now fly to Kampala in Uganda. We haven't even actually started the episode properly yet. Uh, teams must now fly to Kampala in Uganda and make their way to the Ugandan National Mosque, where they'll find their next clue. They have $180 for this leg of the race. That's a lot for Uganda. It is, isn't it? But also they would have had to get to uh, the Dubai airport as well. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. That would be like $150 of the right there, because Uganda, Uganda, I've heard, is very, very cheap. <laughs> and Jamal says on the flight, Uganda, be kidding me. And I joked that it was um, Becca who said that last week, so tick one off for me. And Christy says that any team who is still racing in leg six is officially an amazing race team now. In other words, the learning curve is gone. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I would say yeah. so. I would say if you're basically halfway into the season, you're probably... Your training wheels should have come off by now. Just don't let the cab go in the final leg. Talking of cabs, there are taxi drivers waiting at the airport for the races. Oh, that was the craziest scramble for taxis I think I've seen filmed for The Amazing Race. Victor for ages! The... Victor forces the door open, and I feel like a few Ugandan locals and ch- local children were trampled. Yeah. Need to set up some sort of inflatable obstacle course to save them. <laughs> I love a good run out of the airport. We don't really get them anymore. I know, I know, we haven't for a while. Yeah, because everyone just gets put on a bus now to downtown Tokyo. And it's on the way to the mosque that Tyler and Corey say that they want to win for all the gays. And once teams get to the mosque, they have to change and then climb the minaret of the mosque and count the number of steps to get their next clue. Google is not your friend. Yeah. <laughs> Even if I knew that number, I'd still double-check. This was just wonderfully (laughs) 
ironic for them because yeah. Tyler and Corey do some research on the mosque and find out how many steps there are, but of course they misread their clue and the clue actually says count the number of steps between the two marks rather than how many steps there actually are in the minaret. So they climb up 272 steps, get it completely wrong, and have to go all the way back down again. It's very funny. Do you think Aly- Alyssa knows what a minaret is? Not a chance in hell. I think she thought it was some sort of tomato sauce. I heard that she thought it was uh, going to be some sort of bull creature hiding in an underground labyrinth. <laughs> also, that step at the top, was that regarded as a step? Not the step, it was like a divider to get out onto the... No, because it was outside of the marks. Yeah. That's why they said uh, count them between the marks. Mm. So it's Nicole and Victor who leave in first, with Colin and Christine second, because coincidentally, up there on the list of things that are fun to talk about, including virtual reality tasks and people in a silent disco, is also people counting. So teams must now get to a Wino market and search for their next clue. Caution, speed bump ahead. Caution, Rolexes means something else in Uganda. <laughs> and Tyler and Corey leave in third with Chris and Brett in fourth. And Chris and Brett refuse to help Leo and Jamal. Is that the one when it says how many steps and someone says lots? Yeah. And also, why did any team not count on the way down? Everyone just decided to rush on the way down to have another go at counting on the way up. But it's the same number of steps. Use yep. it as a test. Yeah. Yeah. You morons. <laughs> At the risk of channeling my good friend Michelle Pistenovan. <laughs> it's stupid! So much. So much. And Janelle and Brittany get stuck in traffic, and then Rachel and Litha leave in sixth. And the roadblock is who wants a Rolex? And in this roadblock, one team must shop for and cook a delicacy called a Rolex sandwich to get their next clue. And it's Victor, Colin, Corey, Jamal, Chris, Floyd, Janelle, and Elitha during this roadblock. They should have made the teams eat it to see how many of them would get food poisoning at the pit stop. All of them. Oh, gosh. Um, what is it? Was it egg in, like, a pancake? Yeah, it was like an omelette inside a chapati. It was very strange. And for winning first place in this leg of the race, you get a supply of Imodium. <laughs> That is your advantage going into the next leg of the race. Well, I tell you what, Floyd would have a very distinct disadvantage because his fell on the floor. Five-second rule, Phil. <laughs> yeah, with the sand. And the other good bit of this roadblock is Victor's horrific time at the roadblock. Because not only does he get harassed by an umbrella which closes on his head, but also Jamal decides to just burn him. Yeah, I saw the bandage on the arm and I thought, hang on, I must have missed something. So he burned him. Yeah, it was. there was a point where Jamal was cooking and some oil or something from his hot plate um, uh, splashed onto Victor. I don't know why careful. I missed that. Oh, God. I don't know why either. You need to pay more attention, Michelle. Sorry, something must have happened. A child must have walked into the room. Yeah, but usually when a child walks into the room, <laughs> you just spray the hose at them and they go away. <laughs> you take their lunch money. <laughs> Did um, Tyler Oakley have anything to say about this uh, leg, by the way, Logan? I forgot uh, to ask. Here we go. D- Did Tyler Oakley? Um, I don't know. He didn't get back to us for this double leg. He had nothing good to say about Uganda. In summary, Logan forgot about this running <laughs> joke and just decided to kind of pad his way through it. 
I, I, I don't think he really said anything. Um, oh, I know what he said. I got, wait, wait, wait. I got something. I got something. Like, hey, guys. Hey, IRTV warriors. Um, just want to let you know that uh, Corey and I didn't actually have to cover up our tattoos. We anticipated going to the UAE since we had to get the visa before the start of the race. Um, we actually got tattoo remo- removal surgery, and those tattoos no longer exist. Oh, cool. Good for them. Yeah, they, they got rid of their tattoos. You know, that's think that's thinking ahead. You don't have to cover anything up then. Then you just get to be nice, nice and breezy. It's dedication to the amazing race, that. Yeah, big dedication. Yeah, they really are role models. Mm-hmm. They're icons, actually. <laughs> and yeah, Nicole and Vitz are leaving first, and teams must now find the Gabba landing site and find boat builders to get their next clue. It's Tyler and Corey who leave in second with Colin and Christy in third. And Brittany forces Janelle to do this roadblock, and she takes off looking for a watch. Yeah, well, the Playboy Playmates going after the Rolex. And you know what is really interesting to have to talk about? What? Go on. People doing laundry. Mom's doing laundry. (laughs) 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 Uh, You can hear the the anger building in Michelle already, (laughs) that she has to actually talk about a task that only Rachel and Lothar have to do. You know what? I am so surprised that one of them didn't say, oh, we're moms, we're good at doing laundry. Well, later in the episode, we do get, we're mommies, who's a mob? Uh, not that they would ever do laundry like that. I wish they would have come to Egypt and be like, oh, we get to see mummies, just like us. And Chris and Brett leave in fourth, with Leo and Jamal in fifth, and Floyd drops his tapasi on the floor, but the five-second rule is in force. And Brittany knows what Janelle is doing wrong, but can't actually tell her. And then Rachel and Alitha leave in seventh, with Janelle and Brittany leaving in last. And once they get to the boat builders, it's a detail which is salty roll or move the pole. And in salty roll, teams must salt and prepare Nal perch to get their next clue. And in move the pole, teams must transport and stack firewood by bicycle to get their next clue. Oh God, I'm bored. Such a boring detail. Which one would you have done? I mean, there's probably less skill in preparing the fish, but I'd go for move the pole just because it's at least in your own control. Exactly. God, it's so boring. I love how Colin didn't blow his stack at all. He didn't blow his pole. Yeah. (laughs) I can't believe he didn't get angry when his bike fell over, like, multiple times. His bike was literally stacking it. (laughs) <laughs> his bike fell into human feces well bovine feces because then when when he was cleaning it off he could have said this is bullshit I like how he just laughed like man that Colin guy sure has changed and the the weather in Uganda was horrific for them it had rained all day making the bike challenge even more fun because everyone is just covered in both mud and Literal shit. Welcome to Uganda. <laughs> In season five, Colin would have been way more frustrated. And I know what that would have smelled like. Because I have done this obstacle course in Sydney, and for some godforsaken reason... They threw buckets of turds at you. Well, no, the organisers decided to have it at an equestrian centre. So, let me play this out for you. So there's mud... There's water, they regularly add mud pits. And obviously this is where horses run around, 
do jumps and just generally have a fine time. But it was a rainy weekend and the smell, I did it two days, both days, the smell on the second day was so intense that I thought... Why did you go back for the second day? Well, I didn't think it was going to be worse and this, it was just so bad. I thought we're all going to have some sort of disease tomorrow morning and I got home and I washed everything as much as I possibly could. But seriously, I know what it's like. As they say in some of the Uganda campaigns, it gets better. <laughs> it's quite good for you, Logan. That. Um, so Tyler and Corey leave pole in first, and teams must now head to Jahazi Pier, the pit stop for this leg of the race. But first, they have to compete in a double battle, which is basically a Tower of Hanoi made from drums. Winning, you can check in, losing, you play the next round. Team who loses the final battle will be eliminated. But of course, given that this is a completely irrelevant double battle, and for some reason it was shown, it changes nothing. I can't believe we got Tower of Hanoi as a amazing. Like it turns into a completely different show with his head to head. It's like I could just be watching Wipeout instead. But also, it's a Tower of Hanoi in a season that went to Vietnam that wasn't done in Vietnam, and the Vietnam double battle went unaired. It's a weird season. I'm actually not sure which would have been more interesting to watch. Either people do competitive Tower of Hanoi, or people play badminton, because I don't think there's much in it in terms of interest level. But at least if you showed the badminton one, you'd actually explain some of the really weird placement changes, like Tyler and Corey losing three matches. I thought it was Beck and Floyd did last three matches. No, it was Tyler and Corey. They apparently actually got there first, and then uh, ended up having to check in in fourth because of how badly they'd done at badminton. You see... Um, one thing I want to say about this season, though, is just how over-returnees I am. Like, even with Rachel's meltdowns, this these two episodes, it's like she's had now had two and a half seasons completely revolve around her, and now it's at the point where the meltdowns have gone from hilarious to being very repetitious. Tedious. Where I feel like I could, yes, tedious, yes, where you could just fill in the script yourself. It's almost like with like Emin and Jillian in season four of Amazing Race Canada where they kind of just become minor characters because it's like, well, I just know what's going to happen with them next. It's not going to add anything new. And I feel like the questions that everyone had going into the season, like, oh, can Survivor and Big Brother contestants compete with seasoned Amazing Racers? Um, how, how are Rupert and Laura going to avoid finishing in 11th place? How are Colin and Christy going to do... After 15 years, have they truly changed? And all these other questions we had, I feel like after about the Dubai leg, I feel like every single question that people had about the season has already been answered, and now we're just waiting to find out who eventually wins this thing. And also, more importantly, the countries that are left, none of them really are that inspiring. We have six legs left, and we've got two legs coming up in Switzerland... Ugh. And then there's one country left after that which hasn't been visited more than seven or eight times by the US version, I think it is. Holy hell, I think I just realized that the city they're going to, I think I might be in the si that city at the same time it airs on TV. I have been to that city. So has Alex Liang. <laughs> and that's the back half of the season. And it doesn't inspire much confidence. And we still have to get through the must-vote U-turn. That's a plus. At least we have must-vote U-turn. It is, but they're going to handle it terribly. 
How do you know? You haven't seen it yet. Because they've taken all of the feedback from the double battle last season and gone, you know what? We know better. Which is the Amazing Race Canada attitude and really irritates me. Just wait and see. So Colin and Christy leave Paul in second, with Nicole and Victor in third. Then we get the iconic Michelle Pierce Denneman quote of, We're mommies, who's a mom? Oh, and someone said, Who the hell said, I want to prove to my daughters that women can work together? That was Brittany, I think, wasn't it? Jesus Christ, what do you mean? Why are you proving that women can work together? They've been working together for millennium. Oh my God. Feminist These icon women. Michelle Pistenovan there. Are you, why? Why? I'm so angry. What is wrong with these people? The wonderful thing about this is I went into this podcast going, yeah, Michelle's going to get annoyed at my opinions on the Uganda leg, but also there were two teams made up of mothers who will annoy Michelle far more than I ever will. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that is a definite, Michael. No one can annoy me more than stupid mothers or stupid women. Because at least Michelle knows that my opinions come from a good place rather than stupidity. I really only have one real opinion left on this episode, and that is why in the final head-to-head... Did Brittany, who's never won a competition on Big Brother, or maybe like one or two that I've forgotten about, do an agility challenge? She did win an HOH. It was a quiz, but she won an HOH. Was that in season 14? No, in 12. In 12? Okay. And she won the week two veto as well, which was the, the one in the stocks with the getting slapped by the stripper's dollar bill. Uh, did she win anything else? I think she won a couple of other competitions. She actually is more of a comp beast than you remember her being. It's just that Janelle is obviously the comp beast from Big Brother. Yeah, so you have the most talented female comp beast on your team, and you sit her out, and it's do or die. Like, whoever wins this is guaranteed to go to next leg, losers eliminated. You have the top female comp beast, never lost, undefeated, and... Instead of going with her, you choose Brittany to do an agility challenge. What up with that? I want to know behind-the-scenes information about that particular decision. My feeling on this is it's nice to see them not do a sport and therefore break the Amazing Race Canada record. But also, it's really tedious seeing people competing in puzzles. They might have as well have made it a crossword in terms of stuff that we're obviously not going to talk about very much because it's boring and has zero effect on anything. But this one especially leans itself towards teams who have previously done it have a bigger advantage. Which isn't terrible on the surface of it, but it then means that obviously we just have absolutely no change because the team who have played this before win every single one. Mm, that was That was a bit disappointing. Uh, Britney's comp record, by the way, she won one HOH and three vetoes. That's not too bad. Still, though, agility. It's an agility challenge. And well, no, it's a, puzzle, it's a puzzle challenge, more than anything. I still would have put Janelle in it, because then Britney is the one actually organising everything, but yeah. 
it's a puzzle challenge more than anything. And were they allowed to call out then? Yeah. Yeah, they were allowed to help their partners. Why? Because on other things they can't. Because it wasn't, it wasn't a roadblock. roadblock. I just felt weird that they were helping and they don't generally help. Also interesting about this challenge is the fact that there was a very interesting edit when Phil said it was the first double battle, even though everyone knows that that is absolute bovine excrement. Yeah, but he had to say that. Yeah, but it's a lie. (laughs) God, you say people don't lie. (laughs) Yeah, but also him saying it's the first double battle means that there is at least one more coming. Yes. Which means I think actually, I know where it is. And they've prob- that means they've increased it from season 30. Yeah, which also means that we are staring down the barrel of potentially, well, more than a quarter of the teams going out at the hands of a double battle. Potentially up to half of them. No. Can't. It only needs to be two more, Michelle. We have three more eliminations, and if two more of them are decided by double battles then it's half of the teams who go out who went out at the hands of a double battle. But there's 11 teams. You'd need to have more than four. Yeah, but there's three who go to the final leg. There's eight eliminations a season. Oh, I see. oh yeah, okay, yeah. I see. And I think I know where at least one more of them is, because there's a particularly interesting picture that I actually thought about on... I can't remember whether it was on the fake one or not. Um, on It's from the penultimate leg, where there is a... An implication that there may be a double battle in the final four, like. Oh, that's not good. That's like putting the fire challenge in Survivor. Yeah, functionally pointless and useless and goes against everything that the show is about. Oh, God. Can I just say that? It's a great thing Jet and Cord did their amazing race career prior to season 30. Yeah, because they would have never got eliminated. Oh, a double battle, double battle, double battle. Oh, I love Uganda. I didn't realise that Jet and Cord were also John Montgomery. (laughs) Howdy, y'all. I did the Skeletor. (laughs) But seriously, that would have been so awkward to have Jet and Cord in the Uganda leg. Especially with Tyler and Corey. Maybe Jet and Cord hope they get converted or something, I don't know. Those Jet McCoy's just such a jerk. Also, another thing that I forgot to say, but why didn't we hear anything from Brett about Uganda? Why was it Tyler and Corey who were chosen? Because producers hate Chris and Brett. I think that's probably part of it, but there was the casual comment from Chris at the Dubai roadblock about Brett being distracted by just chatting to any guy he can find. And yet, this leg, we heard nothing about Brett being an openly gay man, and more importantly, an openly gay police officer. And yet they chose Tyler and Corey to get all the sledgehammer sound bites of, oh, Uganda's a wonderful place, apart from the fact they hate us. You know what I think? Maybe, look, Tyler and Corey, or Tyler to me, seems a lot more aware of the world and things that are going on in the world. And don't laugh, I'm trying not to be mean. Well, aware of things to do with gay rights. And I'm thinking... Conversely, Brett wouldn't as much. And that's why, well, not that Brett might not, he may know, but I see Tyler as knowing a lot more than Brett in that regard. So my one comment on this double battle is that it's so interesting to both watch and talk about. 
<laughs> not only because it's a really boring task and ironically is probably the only actual cultural task in this entire leg, but also it's really boring. So, and it changes nothing as well, which is more important. So Tyler and Corey win the leg, they win a trip to Bastion of Human Rights Singapore, and they win the Phil Kogan iconic massages at the spa. At the spa. And they speak about how Uganda's full of nice people, despite the government. And then Colin and Chris are checking in second, Colin and Victor in third, Chris and Brett in fourth, Becker and Floyd in fifth, Leo and Joel in sixth, Rachel and Alitha in seventh, and Janelle and Brittany in last. They get eliminated. And Michelle cries. <laughs> no. And then I ask, how is this the double battle that actually airs when literally nothing changes? And we do finally hear about Britney's daughter being a cancer survivor. Where did that come from? Uh, the fact that she wanted to make her daughter proud. Uh, but it's, it's genuinely true. I, I think one of her daughters has had cancer twice. Oh, that's sad. I think she's in remission now, but yeah. God, as if once isn't enough, twice is just awful. I've flown my flag quite high. I'm a massive fan of Britney, so I, I was very sad when I found out about her daughter. Um, and I'm very glad that we got to see her and Janelle in The Amazing Race, because they didn't disgrace themselves as maybe their stats would suggest they did. It was a bad leg for them this time, with Janelle getting lost in the market, but they weren't nearly as bad as they could have been. They actually had a pretty good run of not being thick. They didn't disgrace themselves, I would say. They weren't as confrontational with the other teams as their big brother careers would suggest they could have been. So, next time, of course they go back to Switzerland, where teams swing, take a helicopter in a funicular, while Rachel and Luther and Nicole and Victor have a showdown, which seems to lead to some sort of fallout at the pit stop in a really spoilerific scene. Because you can see three teams in that shot. I didn't notice. I've got to go back. Uh, you can you can see a team behind both of them when they're arguing at the pit stop. And another reason that I don't think this season is working as well as I had hoped it would is the fact that every single eliminated team so far has had the worst average of the teams remaining. They are the bottom four in order. Mm, interesting. They can't get themselves out of the funk. And another very interesting fact, which I don't think actually people have realised, even though I realised it in leg one, is that the bottom four of the first leg were, in order, Janelle and Brittany, Corinne and Eliza, Rupert and Laura, Art and JJ. Mm. They have actually all got eliminated in the order that they placed so far, which, if you're Chris and Brett, means you should worry immediately, because they <laughs> came seventh. <laughs> so, how do you guys... Th- feel that this season's going halfway in. I like watching returning players. I'm, I, and this lot, I do like watching. So I'm quite happy with how, it's, how it is. And I just love having an amazing race. Seriously, we, we could not even be here. I know. And it would be wonderful. I would be asleep on a Friday evening. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> As if you have anything else to do. Michelle, as we discussed before we started recording, I have a very busy weekend. Oh, look. You're fine. You don't have anyone to look after. I have myself to look after, and that's yeah. a burden enough. Yeah, that's, that's enough, isn't it? <laughs> after Michael Halfstone, oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, I think 
this season doesn't feel like it's had that much effort put into it. Compared to some others, yeah. I mean, some others have huge tasks. Um, but I'd rather it be around and be like this than not be around at all. And I know you probably don't agree with that, but um, that's how I stand. I don't think of it as I do Amazing Race Canada, which is a diabolical shit show at best. But I feel like coming off the back of a show in Belgium Mall where it is evident that they pull their heart and soul into every episode to try and make it as good as possible and try and not only make it culturally appropriate, but ridiculous and interesting and wonderful in every way, shape or form. It just feels like they're phoning it in. And it feels like the CBS attitude of Amazing Race being the red-headed stepchild of the CBS reality family and just being able to fill a gap is seeping its way into production and them going, hmm, we're, we're just a stopgap program. We're not going to try that hard anymore. Yeah. And it feels like that to me because if you think about it on the surface, they didn't really have to do much casting for this season because all they had to do was ring around any interesting former Amazing Race teams and go, do you want to race again? And then ask around the Big Brother and uh, and Survivor people to see if they can club any teams together. They didn't really have to put that much effort into many of the legs because, you know, Japan was obviously a last-minute change from Papua New Guinea. They really half-arsed that first leg, and it left a very sour taste in my mouth especially, but I know a lot of fans' mouths. Vietnam was good, but they obviously went to the Belgium All Playbook. But then you start off a stretch with Dubai, where Middle East legs are never that interesting. Uganda, which is problematic at best. Switzerland, twice, which is a complete phone-in of a country. You're blocking off a third of the season with not very interesting places to go to or potentially horrific places to go to in terms of the backlash that you'll get. You've got to wait till leg nine to go somewhere where you go, oh, actually, yeah, that's quite interesting that they're going there. And then you immediately go to leg ten and go, no, they've not learned the lesson. I'm not writing off the season because it still could get much better and the teams could carry it, but I think they've put far too much effort into the idea that the teams will carry it. Not realising that this is a show about racing around the world and you need a good balance of both the great characters and also the great locations. Take note, Amazing Race Canada. Logan? Is he asleep? Is Logan asleep? (laughs) (laughs) I just... This has been a long time since I've been this disinterested in the season. I find it very uninspiring. I feel like this is the most uninspiring season I've watched since season 24, and I feel like the way it's been constructed is going in the exact opposite direction of why I watch Amazing Race. I think for me, it's not necessarily that I'm writing off the season or it's a bad season. It's just, yeah, it's just uninspiring. Yeah, it's just like, I have nothing really to say about these first six episodes other than, oh, it's cool they put through in Lao and Uganda. But then Uganda, it's like, it could have been so much better from all the stories I hear about Uganda. And this is how it ended up playing now, which is just a massive, massive, massive disappointment. Because that's like one of the most exciting countries I could think that they could go to and debut. So, yeah, I find it to be a very flat and uninspiring season halfway through. And I feel like the questions I did have that I wanted to see answered have already been answered. So I don't know really what expectations to have for the second half of the season. 
honestly, what do we know about Uganda after this leg? Apart from the fact that they hate gay people. Traffic's bad. Yeah. Nothing, really. Which describes every major city on the continent. (laughs) I think, genuinely, this leg you could have done anywhere in Africa, and you wouldn't have noticed. That that I agree with. Actually, that's a really, really good point. They didn't do anything that was distinctly Ugandan. I am a fierce defender of Amazing Grace, generally, when they do it well. But this leg felt phoned in. This leg felt like the Ugandan tourist board paid them a lot of money to try and get on American TV and say, we're not actually as bad as you might expect. That backfired because, you know, Tyler and Corey are there. And it just feels like they really didn't try as hard as they should. And my final question of the episode is, given that we mentioned it in the preview, do you think that Tyler's statement about going somewhere where his queer identity might be a problem was a deliberate reference to Uganda, because I do. Oh, at the beginning? Yeah, we, we've had it in the past where teams have snuck stuff into the um, into the the bios when they've had to wait a while to sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge to people. And we brought this up in the preview about, oh, I sure hope that Tyler doesn't go anywhere where his queer identity might compromise his... Um, his enjoyment of a place, knowing that Uganda was on the uh, yeah the horizon. I think he deliberately did this as a reference. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think it was Brooke and Scott, actually, last time who did it, where Scott snuck into his bio that he he uh, didn't want someone who was negative all the time and said, I can't. <laughs> I was like, a, yeah, Brooke, I love you so much. <laughs> reference. Um, but yeah, I think it was a deliberate reference. I think he was just kind of going, hmm, I wonder if anyone's going to pick up on this. And Mm. what do you know I do? So, you guys got anything else to say? Before Michelle sticks pins in a voodoo doll of me for the slagging off the Amazing Race for half an hour? Where is that doll? Oh my god. (laughs) Um, No, I had nothing else. Um, What did Chris and Brett do this week? You can say that about any week, Logan. (laughs) What did Chris and Brett do in half of a season? They don't have rhythm. Also, if the um, the average rule continues, by the way, watch out for Rachel and Luther to go home next, because they are currently in seventh place average-wise. Oh. I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they uh, did. I'm, I'm saying okay. nothing about whether they do. I'm saying absolutely nothing. I know. I have to go to bed. It's 2 a.m. <laughs> Who do you guys think is going to go home next week? If anyone. Because we do still have one non-elimination left. Look, Rachel and Alyssa. Um, or, um, no, I, I'm pretty much putting all my cards on them. <laughs> Saunders? I think Rachel and Alicia get saved by a <laughs> non-elimination next week, and then Not Chris again. and Brett go home. And then Chris and Brett go home. God, I love that we are providing exactly zero context to <laughs> Alicia, given that I did cut it out of the fake recap. So, <laughs> thank you for listening to this Amazing Race podcast. You can join us next week for another recap. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, our own Twitch pages, MJ Armstrong for me, Logs of Quacky for Logan, and Bear3333333 for Michelle. See you next week. Bye. Peace out and just chill till the next episode. <laughs>